Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love and your goodness and your constant awareness of our condition and your patience and your mercy. I pray, Lord, help us to hear these words today. These could help us. Help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know how it is in your life, but let me tell you something I've learned about my life. Things don't always turn out the way I expect. Like sometimes you get up to preach and it's still offering. So that's a good example. Things don't always turn out like I expect. Well, maybe, that's, maybe that's too strong a word, actually. Maybe what I should say is things don't always turn out the way I plan. But then actually that gives me a little too much credit because I'm not a very good planner. So let's go to this. Things don't always turn out the way I hope they will. Maybe that's getting closer. Is that how it is with you? I wish... I was more like some of you out there. You know who you are. Nothing bad that ever happens is ever your fault. (laughs) It's always circumstance or bad luck or someone else's fault. I wish that were true for me. And I wish it were true for you as well. But for me, something else I've learned is most times... The root of my misfortune is centered in my misdeeds. Poor choices, poor thoughts, poor actions. Yet here is a great truth I want you to hold on to today. God's deliverance is not based upon my ability to achieve victory. God's deliverance is based upon his mercy. So hanging behind me today are, are 13 banners. We've got a couple other things up here so you might not be able to see. That's Dan on the bottom if you can't see that one. 13 banners that prove the point in the saddest possible way. What became of the tribes of Israel? Well, okay, they finally made it to the promised land. But not the ones who came out of Egypt. They died in the wilderness, didn't they? Because of unfaithfulness. And their children then, having seen that example, having seen what God did, having seen the victory in the land, they made it into the land, but even the faithfulness of the generations didn't really outlive Joshua. And even the family unity broke down quite early on. They were united for a while. There was... There was King Saul, and then there was David and Solomon. But poor choices, poor thoughts, poor actions by David and by Solomon and by Solomon's son Rehoboam resulted in the tribes, if you'll remember, being divided for good into Judah and the northern kingdom. Now, to call that southern kingdom Judah is a bit of a misnomer for Judah actually also included the tribe of Simeon because the territory of Simeon was completely within the area of Judah. And it also included Benjamin as well because Jerusalem was in the tribe of Benjamin's area. That's why Saul the Benjamite 
who became Paul the Apostle. That's why the Benjamites were still around. And then there's some Levites that were associated with Jerusalem and the temple. So it's not, it wasn't just Judah, there were others, which left nine tribes to form the northern kingdom, plus some scattered Levites. But thanks to poor choices and poor thoughts and poor actions, this history of this northern kingdom of Israel would not be a happy one. They would separate from Judah around the year 930 B.C. So just under a thousand years before Jesus would come, they would separate. Now which tribes were they? Well, it was, it was Reuben and Manasseh and Ephraim and Naphtali and Asher and Issachar and Zebulun and Dan and Gad. Those were the ones. It's kind of an interesting thing. You know, there were all the different mothers involved. All of the oldest sons of their mothers ended up in the northern kingdom. I don't know what to make of that, but it's the truth. All you firstborns out there. You remember the story. There was Reuben, there was Gad, and there was the half-tribe of Manasseh that requested territory on the other side of the Jordan. They didn't actually, they crossed over and helped fight, but they wanted to live in the land on the other side of the Jordan because it was really good land for herds and they had lots of herds. And, and technically that was, probably seemed like a pretty good idea, but the net result of it was those would be the first of the tribes to disappear and basically become dominated and, and just fade away. They were dominated by the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Edomites. And then others of those nine tribes would begin to fade. Asher would kind of fade away, and Dan, we'd lose track of Dan. And then the whole northern kingdom would fall to the Assyrians in the year 722 B.C., which was just a little more than 200 years after separating. That's like the lifetime of the United States went away. Poor choices, poor thoughts, poor actions. It was as if someone came along and just tore down their banners, just tore them down. The tribes were gone, and they would never return as coherent tribes again. You see, the Assyrians conquered them, and because they were troublemakers, they deported them to another part of the empire, and then they took troublemakers from another part of the empire and moved them into the territory where the northern kingdom used to be. You know what those people that got imported ended up being called? Samaritans. That's why the Jews hated them so bad. They were the people from other places who had come and moved in where family used to live. But Judah didn't really make a lot of good choices either. Here's the thing. Pick your generation. The history of the people of God has rarely been a good one. Pick your era. Pre-flood. How'd that go? People of God. By the time you get to Noah, God found that the desires of everyone's heart is evil all the time. Not good. Patriarchs. Just the story of Jacob's family alone probably couldn't even show on primetime television today. Israel and Egypt. Israel became so assimilated into Egypt and all the gods of Egypt, they had to be retaught what the patriarchs had believed in. 
Israel in the wilderness. They'd been delivered miraculously, but they couldn't believe enough to go up into the land. This is God's people I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about the Gentiles. Israel and Canaan. Yeah, they, they finally got into the land, but you ever read the book of Judges? Not good. It's God's people. The king's period wasn't that much better. How about Judah in the days of Jesus? How was that? God's people. Not great. How about Christianity in the Middle Ages? God's people. Not great. How about Christianity as you look around you today? How we doing? Not great. How about you and me in this room? How we doing? Better? I appreciate your optimism. Here's the thing. God's deliverance, look at the history. God's deliverance has never been based on our ability to achieve victory. Which of these groups were victorious? God's deliverance has always been based on his mercy. I want today to give you an example of God's merciful deliverance so that you will understand what deliverance looks like and see how it comes not to the worthy, but it comes to those upon whom God shows mercy. We're in our series called Banner Year, so let's get to the text of the day and find a banner. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 1. This is the word the Lord spoke through Jeremiah the prophet concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. Announce and proclaim among the nations. Lift up a banner. There it is. And proclaim it. Keep nothing back, but say, Babylon will be captured. Bel will be put to shame. Marduk filled with terror. Her images will be put to shame and her idols filled with terror. So what is this prophecy from the Lord through Jeremiah saying? Who is the audience of these words and what is our context? Well, the audience for these words in chapter 50 of Jeremiah is the remaining people of Judah. And the context is the short period of time between the three initial destructions of Jerusalem and the fourth one that will finally leave it leveled, the temple burned, the walls knocked down. First there were the Egyptians that came through shortly after the time of Josiah. And then came the Babylonians once, Daniel went on that trip. Then came the Babylonians again, Ezekiel went on that trip. And they're going to come one more time and destroy the city. Times have been bad in Judah. The results of poor choices, poor thoughts, and poor actions. In fact, it's been very ugly since King Josiah died. There's been about 15 years, and over that 15-year period, there's been four kings, and none of them have died in Jerusalem as king of Judah. Jehoahaz, the first, is taken off to Egypt. Then Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim are taken to Babylon. And Zedekiah, who reigns at the time these words are spoken, will within five years be taken to Babylon as well, having lost his eyes, his sons, and his city to Nebuchadnezzar as recompense for his rebellion against Babylon. Times are bad. And they will not get better soon. You remember what I said about 
poor choices, poor thoughts, and poor actions. I want to go back to an earlier time. Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 1. The word came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So we're going back. Egypt has come through, but the Babylonians have not completely destroyed things yet. Jehoiakim is still there. Verse 2, So Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, For twenty-three years, from the thirteenth year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. He who has an ear, let him hear, right? Apparently they didn't have any. Verse 4, and though the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid any attention. They said, turn now, each of you, from your evil ways and your evil practices, your poor choices, your poor thoughts, your poor actions, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever and ever. Do not follow other gods to serve and worship them. Do not arouse my anger with what your hands have made. Then I will not harm you. But you did not listen to me, declares the Lord, and you have aroused my anger with what your hands have made, and, catch this line, you have brought harm to yourselves. Therefore the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north And, once again, catch the language, and my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord. And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. This is the prophecy Daniel would find when he was searching to understand. Things don't always turn out the way we expect, do they? Too often, poor choices, poor thoughts, poor actions, well, they just don't ultimately lead us where we want to go. But I want you to remember something. Every time you find yourself on the painful journey to Babylonian exile, remember this. God's deliverance has never been based upon our ability to achieve victory. God's deliverance has always been based on His mercy. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not saying poor choices, poor thoughts, and poor actions are irrelevant because God will always come along and deliver you. It may well be that indeed God will deliver you yet again from the foolishness You've gotten yourself into again. But here's what you need to know. Just like Judah suffered for its foolishness when Jerusalem was destroyed, so you will suffer at the hands 
of all your poor choices, all your poor thoughts, and all your poor actions. This is what we talked about when we were talking about the Ten Commandments, the series a few years ago, the Ten. Do you remember this? God didn't give us the Ten to save us from going to hell when we die. He gave us the Ten to keep us from living in hell until we die. Because every time you break one, you suffer. You hurt yourself, and you hurt the people around you. This is not an academic point of no practical value. This is real life. Are you tired of suffering the results of your foolishness? If you are, then you need to quit with the constant blaming and denial and then repent and get help. You see, the Lord longs to deliver, to you, deliver you. Listen to how the prophecy in Jeremiah 25 concludes. We've just heard this terrible prophecy about all of these horrible things that are going to happen. But now listen to verse 12. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt, declares the Lord, and I will make it desolate forever. I will bring on that land all the things I have spoken against it, all that are written in this book and prophesied by Jeremiah against all the nations. They themselves will be enslaved by many, many nations and great kings. I will repay them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. You see, the Lord longs to deliver his people from those who hold them. He wants to deliver his people from the outcomes of their poor choices and their poor thoughts and their poor actions. And he longs for this even before the suffering has begun. Which brings us again to Jeremiah chapter 50. That's our banner passage for the day. God had a, has already made clear through Jeremiah 70 years, before the 70 years have even transpired. They're just beginning, even before God is promising deliverance to the people. Jeremiah 50, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. The word the Lord spoke through Jeremiah the prophet concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. Announce and proclaim among the nations. Lift up a banner and proclaim it. Keep nothing back but say, Babylon will be captured. Bel will be put to shame. Marduk filled with terror. Her images will be put to shame and her idols filled with terror. A nation from the north will attack her and lay waste her land. No one will live in it. Both people and animals will flee away. God promises a deliverance. Now it's very sad, isn't it? To gaze upon these banners bearing the names of the sons of Jacob, the banners that represent the chosen people, the very ones through whom God desired to fulfill his purpose. Now, a quick aside. Did God fulfill his purpose through Israel? Yes, he did. Was God's success the result of the faithfulness of Israel. No, it wasn't. Yes, Jesus came through the line of Israel. But his victory was not the result of Israel, was it? 
So let me ask you this. Are we really expecting something different from this pattern at the end? Somehow we're going to finally get it right? I don't think so. I think God is going to win the victory again in spite of us, not because of us. Well, perhaps we'll choose to be faithful, but no part of the victory, the final victory of God through Jesus, will be the result of a victory on our part. No, all the glory and power and honor and praise belong only to Jesus. The Lion of Judah, the Lamb slain, the Overcomer. But we need to finish our text. It is sad to contemplate the utter weakness of Israel, their unfaithfulness and their failure. But what what is it that Paul says, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, The Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect where? In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. The realization of our weakness is the beginning of our strength. Listen to this, Jeremiah 50, verse 4. In those days, at that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah together will go in tears to seek the Lord their God. That's what you do when you're repenting. They will ask the way to Zion. The people of God don't even know the way to Zion. And turn their faces towards it. They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. This is what true repentance looks like. And this is what true repentance achieves. This is what faith looks like when faith is no longer about me and how good I am, but rather about me being bound together with the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will never be forgotten. And how does the Lord respond to us when we come to him in tears, when we come to him in repentance, even though we're in a mess that we deserve because we got ourselves in it? Jeremiah 50, verse 6, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over mountain and hill and forgot their own resting place. Whoever found them devoured them. Their enemy says, we are not guilty, for they sinned against the Lord, their verdant pasture, the Lord, the hope of their ancestors. And what does he tell us to do when he finds us, the lost sheep who wandered away? Verse 8, he says, flee out of Babylon. Leave the land of the Babylonians and be like the goats that lead the flock. Why should we flee? Verse 9. For I will stir up and bring against Babylon an alliance of great nations from the land of the north. They will take up their positions against her, and from the north she will be captured. Their arrows will be like skilled warriors who do not return empty-handed. So Babylonia will be plundered. All who plunder her will have their fill, declares the Lord. So, So here's what I'm saying. Poor choices, poor thoughts, poor actions. These are the things that leave us captive in Babylon. 
But the Lord doesn't want us to be captives in Babylon. The Lord wants to deliver us. Remember, God's deliverance has never been based on our ability to achieve victory. God's deliverance has always been based in his mercy. And oh, how he longs to deliver all of us today. So this is where we end today. Are you, as you sit here today, trapped in sin, weighed down by poor choices, plagued by poor thoughts, burdened by poor actions? And while you sit here, do you feel helpless and hopeless and weak? Is there no chance, and you know this, no chance you're going to win this victory on your own? Maybe you aren't completely trapped, or maybe you aren't completely honest, I don't know which, but maybe you aren't completely trapped in sin, but life is still hard, right? And things just aren't always working out the way you planned, and you could really use a word of hope and encouragement today. Well, here it is. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Take this with you. Jeremiah 50, verse 33. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The people of Israel are oppressed, and the people of Judah as well. All their captors hold them fast, refusing to let them go. Is that you? Well, here it is, verse 34. Yet their Redeemer is strong. The Lord Almighty is his name. He will vigorously defend their cause so that he may bring rest to their land, but unrest to those who live in Babylon. Your captors, whatever they are, may hold you fast, but your Redeemer is strong. He's going to defend your cause, and he's going to take you from where you are to a place of rest. What was it Jesus said? You remember this? Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and what? And I will give you rest. Your Redeemer is strong. Jesus is our banner. He's the banner that we raise. He's the only banner that can defeat Babylon. He said in John 12, 32, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Your Redeemer is strong, and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. His deliverance has never been about your ability to achieve victory. His deliverance has always been based on his mercy. And he looks at us today with the eyes of mercy, longing to deliver us from our bad choices, our bad thoughts, and our bad actions. So I say, come out of Babylon. And come back to the Lord. He is strong. 
and he will deliver you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you will look upon us with those eyes of mercy. For if you were to make any one of us the patriarch and our children were to become the names on the banners, I don't think our history would be any different than Israel's. We have great weakness, Lord. But you have said that your strength is made perfect in that weakness, and we are believing that even if we don't understand completely what it means. And we're praying, Lord, that you will set us free from the Babylons we've gotten ourselves into, and that you will free us from our bad choices and our bad thoughts and our bad actions, and you will replace them with minds of wisdom and hearts that will to follow you. Lord, show us the way to Zion, and we will go there and bind ourselves to you and watch as you win yet another victory. May that victory, that day of ultimate victory, be soon, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.